So our first text comes from Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. And for, for through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is the body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This is the word of the Lord. All right. Our next passage will come from Luke chapter 1, verses 68 through 79. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has, in, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty Savior from the royal line of his servant David, just as he promised through his holy prophets long ago. Now we will be saved from our enemies and from all who hate us. He has been merciful to our ancestors by remembering his sacred covenant, the covenant he swore with an oath to our ancestor, Abraham. We have been rescued from our enemies so he can serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. And you, my little son, will be called the prophet of the Most High because you will prepare the way for the Lord. You will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. This is the gospel. God, we thank you, uh, as we do every week, for this room. For these people, thank you for a safe and warm place to talk about you and to think about you and to wonder about you. I ask that in our minutes together that you send your spirit here. I ask that you give us eyes and ears and awareness to know that you are with us that you are for us. We pray that we learn more about ourselves and more about you. You are good and a patient teacher to us, so I just ask that you give us eyes to see your kingdom coming and eyes to see how your kingdom has come here on the earth. In your name we pray, amen. Um, my voice is really shaky, and I meant to say this earlier. I had this little procedure on Thursday um, that made my esophagus bigger. Ever had one? <laughs> Thanks, Graham. <laughs> you have? Yeah. It's, it hurts, it turns out. And you know what hurts the most? Talking, which is what I do for a living. So bear with me and all the cough drops that you're going to experience this morning. Um, <laughs> I'm hoping that this will solve my crazy coughing fits that I've been having. No doctor has told me that, but I'm just really believing it. So um, 
Anyway, um, I'm just going to be really honest with you today. If you got, get our text message and you know what our topic is this morning, but we're going to talk about Christmas. And I realize that us talking about Christmas before Thanksgiving has even happened makes me the Hobby Lobby of preachers. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with this. Um, some of you already have Christmas trees up because you did it the day after Halloween. I know who you are. You know who you are. Normally, I think you're bananas, but this week you're my people. We're together in this. We're going to do this early. Um, We are going to spend our time together this morning uh, talking about Christmas, but more specifically, we're going to talk about Advent. Um, Advent starts next Sunday, and so we are going to talk about it now. Um, Advent is the season uh, for the church of looking toward the birth of Jesus. It's a season where we intentionally, on purpose, carve out time so that Christmas doesn't sneak up on us, Um, because it always sneaks up on us. You... It always sneaks up on us. It happens every single year. I feel like Christmas, like in the stores and in music, gets earlier and earlier and earlier, yet somehow it still has this way of sneaking up on me uh, every single year. And so Advent is the church's practice of trying uh, for that not to happen, of trying to prepare in our hearts for Christmas, for Jesus the King to come in to our world. And so I want to spend our time to get together today talking about um, what Advent is and why it matters. Uh, some of you, uh, you didn't grow up in a house or a church. Maybe you didn't grow up in a church at all or you didn't grow up in a church uh, a tradition that practiced Advent, like on purpose. And, um, and so I want to give a little bit of a history lesson about what Advent is and then talk about why I think it matters so much that we uh, prepare ourselves before we prepare ourselves. This is the week where we're like preparing to prepare. It's like when you have a meeting before the meeting. You know what I'm talking about? No one. Great. Okay. (laughs) So that's what we're doing. We're preparing to prepare uh, next week. So uh, the practice of Advent, it is ancient. It is old, old, old. It is one of our oldest practices in the church. The only practice that I could find that's older as far as the season is Lent. But Advent dates um, at least back to the 6th century. I read something this week that, that put it in the 4th century, sort of. It was close. But in the 6th century, we know that Pope Gregory set aside four masses leading up to Christmas. So four intentional masses um, set aside to intentionally look toward Christmas, toward the manger, toward Jesus coming. So that means um, for almost 1,500 years, the people of God have turned their eyes toward the manger on purpose. That for thousands of years, almost 2,000 years, people have turned their eyes toward the manger, toward the coming king uh, on purpose. Uh, In the 13th century is when uh, the church placed the season of Advent at the beginning of the universal church calendar or the liturgical church calendar. So uh, the liturgical church calendar sets up the church in two cycles. So it means that the church is always looking towards something. And the two cycles are Advent and Easter. That we're looking toward Christmas and we're looking toward Easter all year long, that the church is is pointing to these two pivotal events, um, saying that they are two of the greatest of all of human history, and so we're always uh, looking toward them. Um, And so uh, the church calendar is sort of just a way to organize the church, as in the church universal, the church all over the world, to all together celebrate feasts and practices and rhythms. So that's why we follow it here at Springbrook. Um, We follow the church calendar because we follow the rhythms of it because it connects us to churches all over the world and churches all throughout history, churches for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. So 
In the 13th century, um, the decision was made that the calendar year for the church would begin on the first Sunday of Advent. So what that means is for the church, New Year's is Sunday, December 1st this year, not January 1st. So you're allowed to celebrate both because you can be a Christian and an American, you know, You can do both. You can celebrate both. That's totally fine. Um, But what it means is that this Sunday, this next coming Sunday, December 1st, marks a new year for the church. It marks new traditions, new rhythms. Um, All of the freshness that we experience on January 1st happens for us as the church next Sunday. And so uh, the practice of Advent, it binds us together with followers of Jesus for almost 1,500 years. And so Advent, um, when we practice it along with the church all over the world, it becomes this communal thing, like this communal practice, this thing that we do all together, where all together we turn toward the manger, all together. If there's ever a time to come to church four weeks in a row, and I know that's hard. (laughs) If there's ever a time to come to church four weeks in a row, it's Advent. Because it's valuing the practice of waiting on Jesus together, valuing the practice of all together doing this thing, looking intentionally toward the manger. I think sometimes um, when it comes to following Jesus, we resist the communal nature of it. When we talk about Jesus, we talk about the personal nature of it a lot, but we're a little bit resistant uh, to the communal nature, to um, following Jesus in the same room with people that we don't agree with everything on, right? That's hard. To follow Jesus in the same, under the same umbrella with people all over this country that we don't agree with everything on. We, we forget the communal nature. We become kind of resistant to it. I think sometimes this is what happens for me is, is when I read the scriptures, it's really easy for me to see the story of Jesus and me all throughout the Bible. But, but what we forget is that the story of the scriptures is not so much Jesus and me. The story of the scriptures is Jesus and we. Jesus and the people. Jesus and the people of God. And so it matters that we meet together, and it matters that we learn how to wait together. I was thinking that in that last song that we sang, which is so good and so haunting, and it matters that we sing these words all together. It's really important uh, because we need each other, because we all bring different things to the table. Uh, We all bring different experiences and different stories and different songs and different cookie recipes, which is also very important. Right? We, we bring these different things uh, to the table. Um, I had a friend, um, have a friend, who has had a really hard year. This year. I'm not sure hard is the right word for their year. Hell might be the right word. They've had a really, really hard year. It's been a, a, a long year of really deep grief. And, um, and nor, I, I honestly, like, I hate Facebook. I think it's horrible. No offense if it's your favorite part of your day. We should talk later if that's true. Um, I don't really like it, but I was on Facebook the other day um, looking at GIFs. GIF? GIF. GIF? Thanks, Camp. Okay, GIF. I was looking up GIFs of poodles and swings. You seen these? There are these poodles, and they put them, and they make them do people things. It's hysterical. Anyway, I was looking up these poodles with swings, and as I was doing that, I, I happened upon um, this thing that my friend wrote, and it, it was about Christmas, and she said something like this. She basically said, don't stop celebrating because of us. Like, don't stop celebrating Christmas because our year has been so hard. We really need this story to be true. Don't stop celebrating because of us. We really need this story to be true. 
And I was overcome uh, remembering why it matters that we wait together. Because some of us in this room will wait for the manger in a lot of grief. Some of us in this room will wait for the manger in sadness and anxiety and fear and doubt. And our tendency is to want to shelter ourselves from all of the tinsel and all of the trimmings. And I think also we have this, this, um, this tendency to want to shelter our hurting friends from all the tinsel and all the trimmings. But we need each other. We need to do this together to tell the story together that just might actually be true. We need each other to, to remind each other that the story of Christmas isn't uh, that Jesus did, that the story of Christmas is not that Jesus waited for the world to stop being sad and then he came. The story of Christmas is that Jesus came into the world just as it was. The story is of the God who comes into the world just as it is, bringing hope and rescue and glory of what is to come. We all need this story to be true. We need Jesus to be the hope of the world. Our grief needs it. Our sadness needs it. Our pain needs it. And so does our joy and hope and longing and wonder. We need this story to be true. And so we wait together because some of us believe it more than others. But the practice of Advent is not just communal. It's also really personal. There's a personal piece to it. I heard someone say this week that Advent is like an announcement that says, there's more to learn. It's a reminder that we do not know everything that there is to know about Jesus. This kind of hit me this week. I don't, I don't think that I, I think I know everything about Jesus. Then I read that sentence and I was like, oh, can Christmas teach me something this year? It's this reminder that we do not know everything there is to know about Jesus. Uh, practicing Advent reminds me that there is something about Jesus that's coming for me to teach me or captivate me or heal me in a way that I've never experienced before. Something brand new. It happens every single year in loads of ways. And so our job as followers of Jesus during this season is to spend the season looking for it. Looking for the new thing, looking for the fresh thing or the very old thing that finds new breath or new wings in our life. Eugene Peterson says uh, that wonder is the only adequate launching pad for Advent. Wonder is the only adequate launching pad for Advent. Wide eyes and open hearts and ears. Uh, when we talk about Advent, we talk about waiting. But I think it's a really important to note that, um, that waiting isn't a passive thing that we do in this season. Uh, Advent is not a very passive season. If that's how we practice Christmas, and that's how I most often practice Christmas, I sort of wait for it to come and explode on me with joy. <laughs> um, when, we, when we practice uh, Christmas, when we practice Advent um, as passive, that is a great way for us to miss the magic of it. It isn't a passive season, it's an active season. A season of looking, a season of anticipation, of a season of thinking something could happen. Something great, something wild, something huge, something healing, something fill in your own blank. So be on the look. In the coming weeks, be on the look. Be on the lookout for the new thing. Be on the lookout for hope that you didn't see coming. Be on the look, because the magic of Advent and the wonder of Jesus, it's coming for you. And it could be anywhere. Uh, it could be anywhere. Uh, and, and so look for it everywhere. Not just in this room. It could happen in this room. 
but, but outside of this room. Look for it everywhere. Look for it in the, the sparkling lights and the decoration and, and the carols that we'll sing here, the carols that you'll, you'll hear playing. I worked at the Gap one year during the holiday season, and it's the same four songs on repeat. I don't know if you've stayed long enough. You can even find Jesus there, turns out, and a sweater. It's great. You can look for it everywhere. Look at sparkling lights, the decorations, the carols. Uh, you can hear it in the questions and the excitements of kids. I don't know that Jesus reaches me bigger than my kids at Christmas time, than the wonder in a kid's eye at Christmas time. If you don't have kids, find a kid, not in a creepy way. In gifts, in wrapping paper, in food, and wine, in the quiet moments, uh, in your house or your space, in loud parties, the surprise of Jesus, it can show up anywhere. Look for it. Let's be people who look for it, who believe it's happening, who anticipate the music. It can find its way to us every single year if we just have ears to hear it. Um, Advent, the word, it comes from a Latin word, adventus, um, and it means uh, coming or arrival. But this week I read a definition of adventus that I liked better than anyone I've ever heard, and um, uh, this particular uh, place defined Adventists as the approach. Advent, the approach, the approach of Jesus. That's what we're waiting for. The approach of Jesus. One last picture. Um, and I'm stealing this from Frederick Buechner, who I love. Have, have you ever been in a play or a concert or some sort of stage performance? Anybody? You can raise your hand. A couple of us. Okay. Um, uh, I, have, I have already retold plenty my glory moments of my acting debut at Maryville High School, so I will spare you that story till I don't know, a month or two. Um, but there's this moment when you're in a stage performance. There's this moment um, and you're backstage or you're like waiting in the wings of the stage. And th- there's this moment and this is what happens. You're standing backstage and you, all the overhead lights go off. Like all over in the room, the overhead lights go off and it's totally silent. And then, and then a spotlight comes on and you're waiting there and your heart is beating a million times a second. And your belly, it feels like adventure or butterflies. And you're doing that thing where you're like bouncing on the balls of your feet because you're ready to take a step, but you're not, it's not quite time yet. And, and you are waiting with so much anticipation for the curtain to go up and for the music to come on. And you are holding your breath and, breath and you're just listening for the time that you get to explode out on the stage. That is Advent. That's what we're talking about. That is Advent. It's that moment in the wings waiting for the big, huge moment that's about to happen. Advent is not the landing, it's the approach. And we revel in the approach. We wait in the approach. We sit expectantly, anticipating in the approach. And if we pay enough attention in this season, if we look hard enough, and if we listen close enough over the next four weeks, we'll hear it. The whole world, we will hear the whole world holding its breath, waiting in anticipation for what is to come. Because the king didn't just come once. We believe he's coming again. That he will come again, that he will come back, and he will make all things new. And so the world sits in the approach literally all the time. Advent reminds us of of where we are, where we live our lives, waiting in the wings on the balls of our feet for the next coming of Jesus who will put all things back to right. Uh, So before I close up, I want to tell you what Advent will look like around here. 
Um, we will meet every Sunday in December except the last one. Uh, we don't meet on December 29th. It's the way we love and serve our volunteers. So we all meet in our own homes um, or we can meet together in your home, just not in this room. We'll meet for four weeks here uh, in December and then we'll meet on Christmas Eve at 4.30 p.m. Um, and so for four Sundays, what we'll do is we'll read the stories of Jesus's birth together. We'll read the stories together and we will light candles and we will talk about the crazy characters that lead up to this moment happening. And we will, uh, with so much wonder, turn our eyes toward the manger. And we'll have special things going on throughout the week. Things like raising a voice, service. Uh, we have something for young adults we're doing. We have a blue Christmas service. Um, a blue Christmas service is for those of you who need um, a, a space, a container for grief in the holidays. A space uh, to not be so holly jolly at Christmas. We, we want to create that, and so we'll have that. Um, and then another thing that we, we will do is we're going to give you reading lists where we can all read the same scriptures together if you're up for it. Um, or on our social media this week, we're going to publish a resource list. of. Um, but w for me, one thing that's really helpful for Advent is to have something to read every single day. And so we're going to give you a list of books and resources, um, playlists. We have... And by we, I mean me, have carefully curated a playlist that you are going to love or hate. I don't care. Um, you choose. Um, so we'll have devotionals, things like that. We'll get those resources out to you. And so, so together, we'll wait. Um, here's how I want to end our time together this morning. The bang is going to come on up. And um, we're going to take a few minutes to be quiet. We do this every week. We call it Selah. It's just a, a breath or a pause right in the middle of the, the whole church service. When you're supposed to be amped up, we want to take a breath and not move on too quickly. Um, but before we do that, I want to read um, our lesson from Luke again uh, today. Because uh, we've talked a lot about what it looks like to wait, um, what it looks like to sit in the approach, but the magic lies in what is approaching. The magic lies in what we're actually waiting for. Um, this this uh, passage out of Luke, it's a song written by um, John the Baptist's dad, and, and, and he, John the Baptist is the poster child of Advent, kind of. He is the cousin of Jesus. He comes before Jesus, and he essentially is the person standing in the wings saying, the show's about to start. Get in your places. The show's about to start. Get in your places. That's John the Baptist. He's the one announcing that the approach is happening, and so this is the song um, for him, this Sunday in the church calendar is called Christ the King Sunday. Christ the King Sunday. And so I just, I think that this song um, from Luke chapter 1 says it better than I could. So, verse 68. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty Savior from the royal line of his servant David, just as he promised through his holy prophets long ago. Now we will be saved from our enemies and from all who hate us. He has been merciful to our ancestors by remembering his sacred covenant, the covenant that he swore with an oath to our ancestor Abraham. We have been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear, in holiness and in righteousness for as long as we live. And you, my little son, John the Baptist, will be called prophet of the Most High because you will prepare the way for the Lord. Here's the approach. You will tell his people how to find salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of God's tender mercy. 
the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in the darkness and the shadow of death and to guide us into the path of peace. Let's pray and we'll be quiet for a second. God, we thank you that you kept your promise. That you sent your son into the world to become a man, which is all levels of absurd. And we are so grateful. And so as we take a few minutes to sit here to think about what it means that Jesus came and was the king of the world, ask you for the faith to believe that you will keep your promise again, that you are not done with this world, that hope is to come, that the last word on this world 